Hello and welcome into Season 1, Episode 6 of the Shed Talk Podcast. This week, our special guest is Jeff Miller from Sarasota, Florida. Jeff is a part owner of the Dutchman Hospitality Group and runs the Sarasota campus. The company was founded by his grandfather and parents, which now include hotels, restaurants, gift shops, and retail. Jeff also wrote a book on leadership called The Secret of Nexus that we discuss in this episode. This week, we discuss transitioning into management and ownership of the company, what he has learned from managing over 300 employees, and how he continues to grow by learning stories from the past. But before we start, I wanted to share a quick self-reflection question. Where is my daily activity taking me? Our steps and habits compound and eventually will lead us exponentially in a certain direction. If I or you were to continue with our same daily actions, does that lead us where we want to go spiritually, physically, and financially? And with that, I welcome you in. You are listening to the Shed Talk Podcast where we discuss topics on business, leadership, fitness, and community to help you all learn and grow in all areas of life. This is your host, AJ Raber. Welcome in. All right, so give me a brief overview of what you're currently working in with Dutchman Hospitality and your current role within the company. Okay. Well, I'm the Sarasota campus manager down here, so uh, we're a thousand miles away from the corporate office, so I oversee all the operations down here with the hotel the restaurant, the gift shops, and then we own a couple strip malls and some residential units. So I do some landlording too. And so I spend a few days in the restaurant each week. I Like today, I'm managing the hotel because my manager's off today. Then I'll work with the gift shops also. I'm also on the board of directors for our company and have been for 25 years, which sounds a little scary. <laughs> I'm, fi- I'm turning 50 in the next month. So I vice chair that. Uh, so a lot of my, some of my time is used for the broader corporate purpose of the, our business and working through some of the things we do at a board level. So what are the d- different business units as part of the corporation? Yeah, well, it started with restaurants. So that's our one entity is restaurants. And then we uh, started adding gift shops. So that's our other profit centers is gift shops. And then uh, we have hotels. We added that in the 80s. And then we also have a uh, food distribution company. So like in Ohio, our five restaurants are close together. We make some of the stuff at a central location, like salad dressings and pie fillings and multiple peanut butter and stuff like that. And then we ship it out to our restaurants, but we also ship out other foods from that distribution center. And then in Indiana, we're making Amish noodles and we bag them for grocery stores. And we actually sell those in all 48 continental United States. And... um, Lots of Walmarts. I think we're in 2,500 Walmarts just with noodles. Oh, wow. So they, they put out a lot of bags. Um, I want to say at least a million a year of bags of noodles to go to grocery stores. Wow. Now, am I correct in saying that your grandfather and your dad started the company? <clears throat> yeah, my grandfather was a manual mullet, and he started the business with my dad and my mom. And uh, they each put in $6,000, so he had to borrow that money. From that, our company has grown to what it is today, just from that little seed wow. of financial input. Yeah, so then my parents and him worked in the business till my grandfather got older, and then my uncle uh, came into the business, and now it's uh, his family and our family are together in the co- in the company. What was the first business unit that your grandfather and your parents started? Yeah, it was a restaurant in Walnut Creek, Ohio. My parents actually didn't work in the business. They were an owner, but they really wanted to work in one of the units and manage it themselves. So the second unit we bought was in Indiana called the Essen House. So that, then he started working in that unit. So they've managed that unit their entire lives, but still oversaw the overall company that was growing in Ohio, plus here in Florida. Very cool. Now, did you always, I mean, growing up underneath this, you've always been around it. 
did you always know that this is the path you wanted to take or did you ever have other aspirations? Yeah, I, we had to grow up working in the business. We started at a very early age. They did not have labor laws back then that they should have. <laughs> uh, so we probably started when we were 10 years old. Wow. And, and it was a little tough when you're out playing with the neighborhood kids and you have to go into work. Uh, you don't quite understand that. But so when I got out of college, I actually didn't want to work in our family business, was ready to do something else. And we also had a rule that you couldn't work in the family business. If you wanted to come back at some point, that's fine. But our parents wanted us to work somewhere else first. So we were required to work somewhere else for about four years at least. So I actually lived here in Sarasota and I worked first for a, a lawn, uh, Toro actually, Toro the yep, company. Yep. And I was in the office and I, I really hated it. I was on the phone, just never saw customers, didn't realize uh, what I was missing, not appreciating the family business like I did. So I actually switched pretty quick and started working for Hyatt Hotels. And I worked for them for four years, kind of cut my teeth in learning the management of the hotel there. And then in 1998, went back to the family business and have been there ever since. Were you a part of the expansion into hotels or was that before or after your They, initial- they started hotels in when I was in middle school. So I was, I mean, I, I worked there in the summers, but I wasn't actually involved in management of the company. No. Yeah. That's actually a pretty good idea of having you go see somewhere else in the business world and understanding what the world's like before coming back there. Did you have any other siblings or family members who had to do that and did not come back into the company? Uh, we all had to do it. I, we all came back, actually. The reason I liked it was, one, it makes you appreciate what you have. When you grow up with it, you don't realize how special that family business is. But then also, I think the other employees, seeing that you actually did something else besides just, oh, he just got where he is because he's a family member, it helped in a couple aspects like that. Yeah. Now, I do also know that in this process, you did write a book. Was that while you were working for Dutchman or was that when in those four years before you started? That uh, was while I was working for Dutchman. It would have been 2012. I was working in Indiana at our location up there. And, you know, I, I saw, um, I, I like, I like the, the concept of leadership, but I saw a passion play one Easter about Christ. And it just hit me that, uh, we think we have the toughest situations in leadership, and we do have tough situations to work through, but Christ had the toughest. You know, his his disciples weren't that fantastic. <laughs> they had faults. And here he's trying to keep all this together. Uh, he He's the ultimate leader and showed such great resolve. The story is actually a, a parable, and it's had nothing to do with Christianity, but the story behind the story does. And that's the it's called The Secret of Nexus. And that's why I wrote that, because I just felt like I was supposed to write that. That's why he laid it on my heart. Was that a passion that you felt God gave you for that moment? Or do you would you consider yourself an author of future references? Um, I, I enjoyed it. And I would like to maybe do something else in the future. The, the current circumstances have not allowed for that. It takes, obviously, a little bit of dedication and time. And in my current situation, I just haven't had the ability to focus on both. You really have to give it some time. How long was the process from that idea that you had watching the passion play to going and having a book that was for sale? I think around two years. I can imagine that's mm-hmm. not a easy process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of editing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of when you're talking about the greatest leader and the biblical influence that we have, what are some ways that you've incorporated biblical principles <clears throat> and influence into the way that you treat your own people and you bring into Dutchman Hospitality? Yeah, good question. I mean, greatest concept that Christ taught us was being a servant, and I'm a big believer in that. We, I serve my employees, and I make sure their needs are met. I want them to follow me because I'm serving them, 
and making sure they're having a good work environment, their needs are met. There is different types. I mean, you can be an authoritative or some different types of concepts, but I, I appreciate the servant type leadership. I'll do anything that needs to be done. So you'll see me doing tasks that somebody might say, well, why does he have to do that? Well, I think that helps sometimes when they see you pitch in and help. Christ's teaching of being a servant leader is probably the best concept. Do you change the way you are a leader and manage employees depending on the employee? Or would you say that you take a very general approach? No, it's it, that's a great question. And that's one thing. You just don't learn those things in college sometimes. But you have to teach. Everybody is different. Everybody has a different background and past. They're just formed in a different way. And if you treat everybody exactly the same, you probably won't get great results. You have to look at that person as an individual. And you might have to be a little different approach with this person compared to that person. Everybody has to meet the right standard. But how you get there. You've got to be able to, to mold your leadership to what best motivates that person. With those employees that you're talking about, everybody has a different room for growth, different qualities. What is the number one quality or trait that you'd be looking for in an employee that you're grooming for leadership? Hmm. Um, you know, I, I think the mo probably the most important thing is, is a good attitude. It, it sounds simple. But boy, you run across a lot that maybe haven't quite mastered that concept. If you have a great attitude, I think everything else around you falls into place. I've seen people with great skills, great given God-given abilities, but with a bad attitude, they don't do very well. But I've seen people with great attitudes that don't have a lot of the skills, and they do much better. Because you can learn those skills, but you can't learn a great attitude. Well, I know everybody can choose to have a great attitude, but if you don't have one, it it's it's a stumbling block. So I'd probably say that's the number one thing. Before talking to people in your role and other leaders, I would have thought one of the bigger traits that you and other people would be looking for is maybe passion, drive, hard work. But what I've been hearing over and over is being a servant leader, being learnable, teachable, good attitude, and those things when you're young will take you way farther than a certain gift or ability will. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all we're all learning. I don't know that anybody likes a know-it-all. And if I come in and listen to my employees more than I talk to them, that's part of being a servant leader. Uh, those types of things go a long way towards getting buy-in from your employees. So to anybody listening, he is also my sister's boss. <laughs> So this is this is how I got the in, and uh, so he actually has the hardest manage, management job there is. So tell me what management techniques that you've had to practice on her that have been different from somebody else. Oh, I'm gonna get in trouble oh, now. Yeah, no. Uh, Kim is uh, a great individual with great drive. Kim, I think she likes to do everything she can all at once. One thing I've had to work with her is, you know, stay focused on a certain area and get really good at that, and you know, do well at one area instead of trying to. Do, do well at all things and be, you know, kind of do the impossible. That's yeah. just not going to happen, but that's one thing. That yeah. she, but she's great. I don't want to say anything bad about Kim. See, that's why I had to ask you. That's why I had to ask you. Yeah, she she would be similar to me where we have our eyes on a, a lot of prizes at times. Yeah. And I heard the acronym one time, FOCUS, follow one course until successful. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that me and her have talked about, keeping our eyes on the prize while having blinders on sometimes. <laughs> Growing up in the Mennonite and Amish culture, it's been very interesting, like going off to college and a lot of times when you think of Amish, a lot of times you think away from, away from technology, not a lot of education, but some of the smartest businessmen I've seen have grown up in the Amish business world. Very savvy when it comes to money and using resources correctly. How do you think that background has affected you where you are today? 
Well, you know, it's a good point. My, my father, who started the business, had an eight, eighth grade education. He grew up Amish until he was about seven, and then his family was conservative Mennonite. But his dad wanted him to farm, so he had to, he had to stop school. He was pretty upset about it. But it does show you that a lot of the, the attributes you need to run a business are not taught in school. They're, they're picked up in life. And if you have the, the will to do it and the smarts, you can, you can accomplish about anything. So yeah, that, that humble approach has been good. The Amish and Mennonites, yeah, they have, they kind of have kind of a humble spirit about them. And I think one of the keys to being a good leader or be, being successful in business is actually being humble. And, and I think the world would probably teach you differently, mm-hmm. but it's not, a, I think it's true that if you're actually humble, you're going to be more successful than if you're not. Yeah. And so I think that's just one of those traits that the Amish and Mennonites uh, kind of are embedded with, and I think it's important. What are some ways that you've been able to gain is- inspiration and learn from people smarter than you, whether it's through reading, attending conferences, just learning from other people? Good question. I, I, uh, we all have to be lifelong lear- learners. I enjoy reading a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm in a book club. I don't know if that's almost nerdy, but... Uh, we read a certain book each month, but then I'm also reading some stuff on the side. But, you know, as I've read, I've learned more. I've, I lean more towards uh, autobiographies or biographies. I love l- reading about people in the past that have been, whether it's presidents or kings or queens or uh, emperors, you can learn so much from reading about them as compared to even reading a modern day leadership book. Now, I like those too, but I've, I'm fixated on biographies of history and I get probably way too much into it. But uh, yeah, we, we do it. We, I, I read a lot and I, I really enjoy that. I actually in middle school and high school growing up, this sounds very, very lame, but after football or back basketball practice, I would escape into a restroom, get an autobiography. I would, I, as a kid, I would sit in the bathtub, no water, just go sit in there so I could get some peace and quiet. And I'd read Steve Jobs' biography. Yeah, or that's a War- good one. Warren Buffett. Steve Jobs' autobiography is one of my favorites. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, what, are some of, what are some of the more influential people that you've read about that have left, left an impact on you? Yeah. Well, I've, re- I've I read a lot about presidents. I think I've read a book. I'm up to like 20. I'm just started the first oh, and wow. I'm just going through them all and I'm in the 20s, but I've read a few on some I've jumped ahead on some of them, but and like I said, I some of the leaders from the past, whether it be in Europe, there's a lot of European history that is pretty interesting even if it's a even if it's Napoleon. He's a terrible person, <laughs> but you can learn about him and his individual traits and and uh, it can help understand leadership even from a person who did terrible things. Yeah. Same way with, there's a lot of dictators in the past who, while we don't want to become like them, Correct. there's a lot of leadership traits. Yeah. Or you can learn exactly what not to, not do. to do. Yes. <laughs> yes. So did you say you're reading a book about every president? Yes. And where are you right now? You said? 20. Gotcha. Yeah. So they wouldn't all have an autobiography, would they? Or do they? Yeah. A lot of them do. There's a presidential history uh, series that puts out a book on every president. And so I usually get a biography about the president, but if there is no biography, I go back to that series and I just get one from the series and I have the whole series. So it, gotcha. who has been your favorite president to study so far? Well, the, the forefathers were pretty interesting. I mean, uh, the, the things they sacrificed for, for the country was, was probably the most interesting. Uh, now I haven't gotten to some of the more modern ones. I haven't read about Obama or anything like that, yeah. but, but some of those four, for, you know, Thomas Jefferson, even Adams was very interesting and how they worked together. George Washington, uh, those are great people to read about. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your book club. Is this something that was formed before you were part of it? Or is it just guys who, a business book club going through books once a month and meeting? 
It's just uh, a guys down here that we just get together and read uh, one book a month. And it's not, it doesn't have to specifically be about leadership. It can be about anything, uh, really. We bring up choices and then we kind of just choose each month. So how many people do you manage or how many people will report to you currently down here in Sarasota? On this campus, we have about 300 people that work here that I would directly supervise. So you do have a... But now I got managers to help me, but yeah. yeah. Through your years of leadership and having a decent amount of people reporting to you, what's something you've learned that has helped shape the way you do things today? Yeah, good question. I mean, uh, for many of those years, I had responsibility and I was leading people. I wasn't really on my own in regards to leading those people. I was part of a bigger team uh, with somebody on site. Since I moved here in the last six and a half years, I'm the only one that manages the property. So... A little bit, I had a little bit of fear coming because I'm just in, I'm by myself where I didn't have people to lean on as I used to. Now we have the corporate office a thousand miles away, but although it was scary, I've really enjoyed having a place where I can put my own identity on something, create the culture myself uh, and make sure that it's the culture that I want. Obviously when being on my own a little bit more, it's uh, a bigger responsibility in regards to the individuals that are working for me and really paying close attention to them, investing in them. Hey, I mean, if I come on campus and I'm not saying hello to everyone, uh, it gets noticed pretty quickly. And uh, people want to people want to be hello from me. And it's just that that sounds really simple, but uh, really important. So, yeah, it's it's been a good experience the last six and a half years. And I've, I think I've grown uh, personally because of the situation that I was that I've been in. Yeah. Well, Jeff, it's been very awesome hearing about your career growing within an awesome family owned company. One that I've I've been growing up coming to Der Dutchman since I was a kid at Walnut Creek. I really appreciate it. And for everybody listening, thank you very much for listening. We're going to come back to you in another two weeks with another episode.